Well, hello there, my wonderful choir rebels. So this is episode number 84 of the podcast with your host, May Kate. <laughs> Hopefully we know each other by now, but this, this is your first time, then you've picked a very interesting episode. So in the previous episode, number 83, I spoke about the behind the scenes of my very scrappy workshop launch. And when I'm talking about scrappy, I'm literally like, okay, I did some doodles on a whiteboard. I took a picture posted on Instagram and asked whether people were interested in the offer. So it was my full intention to show you the behind the scenes of my high ticket launch that I did at the end of 2020. But there was something about that wording that didn't quite sit with me. So instead, I thought, hmm, how about I share the origin story of how I created this high ticket program and what you could possibly learn from it? And as you may or may not know, when it comes to these sorts of confessional episodes, this is not a how-to. I'm showing you just how I did it in my very imperfect, sometimes spontaneous, (laughs) very spontaneous um, kind of ways. But either way, I hope that you'll find some value in today's episode of the origins of creating my first high-ticket group program. So stay tuned. Hello, my lovelies. This is Meike Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Alrighty, let's get into it, shall we? So which program, first of all, am I talking about? I'm talking about my six-month mentorship program, The Sustainable Visibility Incubator. This is a very... It's the very first of its kind, this type of high-touch visibility mentorship specifically to help introverted entrepreneurs. And I want to share with you how it all started and what kind of conversations led to the creation of this because it was by no means on purpose. (laughs) This honestly came almost through frustration, let's just say that. So what was happening? I found that when people talk about visibility in the online space, the majority of the conversation is simply put yourself out there, just follow this step-by-step strategy, just do it, just put yourself out there. And don't get me wrong, of course there's going to be an element of strategy, there's going to be an element of action that is going to be important to make its work. But what I started to see is these very honest conversations about people being burnt out when they do their first summit or when they launch their podcast or when they are featured on a publication. It's all wonderful as it's happening, but there's often a crash that came afterwards. 
I've literally had people tell me like, Meike, I did my first summit and I literally need to sleep for the next three months. Or whenever you do a launch, when you're launching, it's a very high visibility time of your business. And often, what do people want to do? They want to go on a vacation. They want to take a nap. They want to finally spend time with their family again. And so I started noticing this more and more. And then I actually just... I was just venting my frustrations to one of my dear besties. So shout out to my girl, Gabby Waltz. <laughs> she was one of the people who helped hold space for me as I was just processing this frustration. And there was a point in our conversation where I just said, you know what? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of and tired of hearing the only advice that I can prominently see is just put yourself out there. And I'm saying that in air quotes. And I said, you know what? I want to revolutionize what it means to be visible. and that's where it all started what did it mean to revolutionize a definition that seemed to be set in stone but it wasn't it was deeply carved in it but who's to say we can't just find another stone right so what was the big problem really people often just skipped over the why people aren't showing up or they dismiss it as something as oh you know what you're just having some imposter syndrome it's just your fears it's completely natural when you're going outside of your comfort zone but do you know what just do it anyway (laughs) so yeah from my perspective I believe that that sort of attitude it's very incomplete. I feel like it was just very, it's very tunnel visioned because it can come across as quite dismissive and actually irresponsible. And here's why. Personally, I see visibility through a lens of trauma. And if you know anything about my origin story, I won't go into detail about it here, but long story short, I'm a British born Chinese girl. And when I was 19, I entered into an unknowingly at the time a sexually abusive relationship and it was definitely emotionally manipulative as well but you bet your honey buns that that caused quite a problem for me and unfortunately that wasn't one of my only accounts that it happened but regardless when I came into the online space I didn't realize how much it affected me. I had sought professional help absolutely but I started to notice that it crept up a lot, especially during times of high visibility like a launch. So it was actually in January 2020 when I was launching my podcast guesting program. And I received this DM from a man who had less than... How do I say this? There were comments of a sexual nature, let's just say that. And when that happened to me, I wanted to shrink. I wanted to, for all my launch to go away, I wanted to shut it down. So clearly, I was being triggered there. And I'm very mindful not to just simply project my experiences, but this is where, this is the kind of lens that I see visibility through. And I wondered if I wasn't alone. And when I started talking about this more and more, mainly in private conversations at first, 
people started saying to me, Meike, this is so needed. Because there is a fine line between when you're in a place of discomfort during growth, or when your body and your mind and your soul actually perceives you're in a a legitimate sense of danger. That's the problem. There's quite a lack of compassion or willingness to understand and explore the reason why people aren't truly showing up if it's beyond strategy and beyond the imposter complex. I know I've interchanged between imposter syndrome and imposter complex. It's more commonly known as imposter syndrome, but my my guest Tanya Geisler, she explains why it's imposter complex and I'll link that into the show notes as well. That's just another conversation for another day. But this is where it all really started to unfold. So I realized I really wanted to help people to become sustainably visible. And I wanted to know whether that was something that's that was worth shifting into an eventual offer. So I started sharing that word or that phrase rather. And I wanted to see where it was landing. And I reached out to a couple of peers of mine who have seemed to have reached that state of sustainable visibility. And I started interviewing them as to how they got to there, what did it take, what did they not do, what did they do, all those things. And then those conversations, those interviews actually expanded even further when I asked people outright, hey, would you be interested in having a conversation around this? And those things turned into market research calls. All of my calls were recorded, but all of my, um, not speakers, but all the people who I spoke with, there there was a, um, during the booking process of these calls, they did give me their consent and I did reaffirm it on the call, just in case you're wondering, even if you didn't, just want to put it out there. So the more and more I had these conversations, the more I kept being told, Meike, this is so needed. No one's talking about this. Please, 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 like, don't stop talking about it. And then I thought, okay, clearly there is something that's happening here. And then when I really started to think big picture, I'm quite a big picture thinker. And then I can like turn it into tangible steps. The way that I think about it is there was a time in 2016 when I was in Bali and my friends and I, we clowned, um, they, we climbed an active volcano. (laughs) Um, it was dormant at the time, but it was semi-active volcano, um, Mount Bator. And I kept thinking we had that big picture in mind, reaching that peak, but we didn't know what it would take to get there. It was a step by step by step. So I needed to find my quote unquote peak. Like what was my purpose of these conversations? And that peak is the sustainable visibility movement. And I started to break it down logically, step by step, yet infused with intuition along the way. And that's how it all came to be. And yes, I turned it into that six-month container. Actually, I don't even like the word container. Mm, a six-month arrangement. Let's just, <laughs> I'm just very mindful of the kind of language I'm using. I wanted to create a safe space for six months for introverted entrepreneurs who wanted to explore what it meant to be sustainably visible. So I broke it down into three key phases. Number one is the soul dive. And 
these are how it's phased out in my program. So now I'm going from how the movement came to be and how it's actually been actualized into the program. So I broke my program down into three phases across six months. So it's like two months per phase. The first phase was the soul dive. And that was all to do with the internal work. Really being able to expand their comfort zone so that when they do step into the unknown, their first instinct isn't to run, isn't to hide, isn't to shut down, but to sit with the discomfort and explore. So remember the distinction that we talked about earlier? The discomfort versus danger? It's turning that perceived danger into that discomfort that was tolerable enough to sit in there and explore what it meant to release it. So for the soul dive, we have been speaking about capacity. That's a huge thing when it comes to feasibility that's sustainable. Being aware of your emotional capacity. We've talked about emotional resilience. What happens when you do quote unquote put yourself out there? And what happens after? Talked about shifting mindset, our internal stories, imposter complex. I did invite Tanya to teach inside for my clients. Super, super amazing. So many things. So that's all the internal work to make a great amount of space for visibility to happen. Phase two is business alignment. So when you get to know yourself on that fundamental level, you may start to discover that your offers may not align anymore. They may, or they might just need a bit of a sprucing up, a bit of a refresh, or maybe a full-on redesign. That's what phase two is all about. Just being able to create those offers that you're proud to offer the world so that when you are visible, these are the offers that you serve the clients with. And then phase three, active amplification. This is the main doing of the visibility strategy, because now that you're psychologically ready and you're physically ready and your business systems are set up for you to fully receive the impact of these visibility opportunities, now is the time to optimize it. So not to say that you can't do visibility during the first four months, <laughs> because otherwise it's just kind of waiting to the end, but it's just being aware of all these things as they're happening. But phase three is mainly implementation of these strategies, becoming as visible as you feel is going to be the best for you. And you can see that all of this is a framework but instead of my clients applying themselves to the framework, it's the opposite way around. Seeing what resonates in that framework and just taking what's needed. And that was the biggest thing that I wanted to get across. Like, yes, I'm going to set the foundations. I'm going to be the main guide and the mentor. Absolutely. But this whole program is actually about cultivating that sense of self-trust and doing that deep introspection, because I'm not going to know what is sustainable for you. Only you're going to know that. And I just help you to guide yourself there. Because ultimately, my main goal is that when this program finishes, 
is for my clients not to need me anymore. If they still want to be around me for another round, that's a completely different story. Like, that would be amazing because I am so grateful for the women who are joining this round. But ultimately, I didn't want to create that sense of dependency that often is the case for some, not all, programs. And that's what I wanted to do. So that was the creation of the phases. I just really had to think big picture. I'm a big, big spider diagram er. <laughs> I'm a very visual person. I often send these scrappy notes to um my right hand in the business. Her name's Annie. Shout out Annie. The ditto to my Pikachu. And um yeah, my mind just goes crazy and like I just need to get it all out on paper and then I start organizing it in a way that's gonna be making logical sense. So that's how it was created. So now I'm going to give a bit of insight of how I launched it. And again, this is not a how-to because there are plenty of other people <laughs> who can teach you how to do a high-ticket launch. And I have to give a shout out to my mentor, Meryl Kriegsman. Thank you so much, Meryl, because she taught me how to do a high-ticket launch. And unlike many other launches that I've learned over the years, Instead of having like just a two week cart open where everything is going like super, super high energy all the time, she was like, no. <laughs> because what she taught me, and obviously I'm not going to give too much away because that's, that's her intellectual property, but the nuggets that I can pull from what I was taught is to have a longer launch runway. Because a longer launch runway means that you're less detached from the outcome, especially during the earlier months as you're launching this offer. Because the problem with a short period of time when you're opening the cart is that there's a lot of pressure on you and on the people who are thinking of joining you. And I didn't want pressure to be a part of this at all. Of course, it was important to have deadlines when the program was going to begin and when to make a decision, etc., etc. But it was important for me, for any person who signs up to the program, to feel like they had enough space to make an informed decision. So that's why I had an extended launch runway. I had about three months where I started talking about it. That's I started in August 2020. That was when I was doing market research. Then I just put a Google Doc together. Yes, I actually started with a Google Doc, um, just like laying out the offer, just seeing who was interested. I opened up an application page. I just literally said, hey, if you want to apply, just write apply to me in the DMs on Instagram or hit reply and say apply um, if it's an email newsletter that I'm sending out. And that's how I started. It was pretty scrappy. So <laughs> scrappy is clearly part of my launch style. But yeah, I started off with a Google Doc where I had just like the base information and I was, of course, asking the questions to see where my applicants were at. And I had to turn away a lot of people because I never want to be the kind of business owner who coerces people because of my own business needs, like financial needs, etc. It was so important to me to feel that they had to be in a complete alignment personality-wise in the stage of their business. And yeah, we just had to align on so many different levels. And that was what was really important. So for full transparency, I signed on three clients. So 
major major shout out to Bertie, to Vicky and Bree. I couldn't have asked for a more beautiful group of humans to join this round. And I want to share a bit about the sales process because again, not going too deeply, but I want to give a shout out as well to Dr. Michelle Mazur because I attended her workshop recently around Feb uh, 2020, so I guess earlier this month <laughs> at the time of this recording, and she ran a workshop about debrowing your marketing. And of all the things I learned from that workshop, there was there was one thing that really stuck out, and that was the difference between peripheral and central pathway selling. So peripheral selling is what we can term quote unquote bro marketing, where we're often we're triggered psychologically things like scarcity or authority you know those use of like countdown timers all that kind of stuff there's a time and place for each of those but the problem with peripheral thinking is that they're using your fears against you and they're shutting down critical thinking meaning that you don't often get times where you're able to see if it's the right fit for you is either like nope done and done if you can't decide right now there's an objection there if you can't decide right now, that's an excuse. And to be quite honest, that really pissed me off. Um, <laughs> when I kept being told, like, oh, you're just making an excuse. And I had to retaliate certain times when that was happening in the sales process, um, when I was signing up for different programs. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you to tell me it's an excuse? What if it's an actual explanation? One that's not convenient for you, that's probably disrupting the flow of sales here. And because of those negative sales experiences in my past, I wanted to do the exact opposite. And that's where central pathway selling comes in. Central selling is encouraging that critical thinking providing space and support to make an informed decision, even if that means that very person doesn't join. I didn't know that that was a thing at the time until that workshop, but that's what my mentor Meryl actually taught me. I don't know if she even knows that it's central selling, <laughs> but it is. Because all of the applicants who wound up joining the program, they had a call with me, and then they needed to take the time to, you know, discuss it with their partner to see if it's a good fit. And so I offered something called a circle back call. And that circle back call is where we're able to have, we still have a commitment in place, right? So, okay, let's give you a couple of days so you can think about it. And then just offering a time and place for, the, for us to rejoin. And of course, if they book and if they show up, then clearly there's still something there, maybe just some final questions. And that's exactly how it all went for the three of them. And you may be thinking, Meikei, is this necessary? <laughs> for me, I think it is. Especially if it's a high ticket program. So this offer, the investment at the time was just shy of a five figure investment. So it's just under $10,000. Next time I open the doors, which is going to be this year, that pricing may change, but actually not higher than you think. Actually, I've come up with a different tier system 
but that's coming up later. I'm going to share a link to the waitlist if you're interested in that. Anyway, side note. Okay, so circle back calls. That was extremely, extremely important. But I won't lie to you and say that this was a smooth AF kind of launch because it wasn't. A lot of things came up emotionally during this time because it felt like I was diving in headfirst into the abyss (laughs) because it was a brand new offer and it was a brand new launch style. So everything felt new. So when we're talking about comfort zones earlier, yeah, there are times where it went from discomfort to full on feeling of danger because there are times when I did want to shrink. So that just showed me my personal degree of capacity when it comes to visibility. This so meta because it's about sustainable visibility and it happens in launches it happens when you're doing other things but yeah so that's pretty much what was happening and I'm not gonna lie there were times when I was so afraid I thought oh my god what if no one else is gonna join what are they gonna think they're gonna think okay I'm not sure about this offer now because there's only three people that joined And what about the guest experts who I joined? What if they thought, okay, I'm not sure if this is worth my time because you've got three people. Yeah, those are really legitimate fears that came up for me. I'll tell you one thing. I know it was meant to be this way. Because the degree of customization, this is uber high touch. Like each person gets like up to 30 minutes on a hot call every single week. Um, hot call? Hot seat call. <laughs> every single week. And I'm listening so intently. I'm being aware of how much space I can hold for whichever group of people. And it has been the most beautiful, beautiful cohort. So again, I want to give a shout out to Birdie and Vicky and Bree. Thank you so much for being the people who you are because you've made me so grateful to learn from you. It's so cool because there's a lot of their offers that kind of intertwine with each other. Um, and I'm already, I'm kind of like ready to hire each of them in a different capacity as well, which is really awesome. So that was what was really important to me. And I had to acknowledge the fact my ego was there at points during the launch. But when I got to know them on the first call, I was like, holy sugar muffins. Yes, these are the women. And I'm so grateful. And as I start wrapping up this conversation today, well, one side of confession, I suppose, I wanted to share why I never called it a beta. Because oftentimes, when we're running something for the first time, there is a big temptation to call it a beta as a kind of permission to not have everything so perfect, right? And maybe there are times and places where that could work for you. But for me, I didn't want to advertise it as a beta at all, especially because of the topic of hand, of sustainable visibility. It is not pure strategy. There is a lot of stuff that goes under And I had to call upon my experience, my now six years of coaching, public speaker experience, my podcast guesting experience. And now at the time of this recording, I've just signed on for a trauma sensitivity leadership certification because now I said that I see visibility through the lens of trauma. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be viewing it as. 
And we experience trauma in so many different ways from race, from class, sexual orientation, um, gender. There's so much trauma lenses to see through. And so I didn't want to undermine the impact that I could make. And I was also very mindful of not misrepresenting because I am not trauma informed. I'll say that now. Trauma sensitivity and trauma informed have different responsibilities. And I need to know when to refer outwards, um, when a client of mine needs some help that is outside of my scope. That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but back to the beta and alpha. I didn't want to call it a beta because I didn't want to undermine the impact that this program can make and is making. So I decided to own it and say, do you know what? This isn't a beta. This is a full on alpha experience because it is. Because I go as far as I can, as deep as I can to serve any client who comes under my wing. And this, my lovelies, is the origins of the creation of my first high-ticket program. Was it a success? You bet your honey buns it was, because I have never felt so aligned. So, thank you so much for joining me for this kind of confessional type episode today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And yes, so now that I've been talking about the program, I said I was going to put in a plug, and here it is. So, I am going to be reopening the doors of SVI 2.0 in this, you know, this year. And it's going to be opening, applications will be open in Q3 because the current cohort finishes in June. <laughs> so I'm going to be starting to take applications in Q3. If you are interested in being notified when that happens, be sure to check out the link in the show notes where you can jump onto the waitlist. And let me just say, if you jump on the waitlist, it does not mean you have to apply. It does not mean you have to join. It simply just means that you, there was a moment in your time between now and the future where you were curious. That's it. So all you need to do is go to the link in the show notes, pop in your name and your email address and, and check the box for GDPR so I have permission to email to you. And then I'll send out like the, the call. I'll send the call. <laughs> when it is time for the applications to happen in Q3 for a Q4 start. So that is it today, my lovelies. Thank you so much for joining me for a very different kind of episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram as well and share with me your thoughts of what you found here and let me know. Are you creating a high ticket program or are you relaunching one? What's going on? Keep me in the loop. Go to instagram.com forward slash making saying. I'll pop that link in the show notes. It's so easy for you to do that. And I hope to connect with you further there. Alrighty, bye for now. And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done that already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool to, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Ah, oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Quiet Ripples podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.